Hello, everybody. My name is Corey Foister. I am joined by my co-host, Clint Combs, and today we are doing something different. We are doing our first ever movie review, and, and today we are reviewing The Post. And the first thing I want to get to, Clint, uh, opening thoughts about the movie, and also if you want to plug real quick where people can follow you at. Um, you can... I want to make so many references right now. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at CombsCM2. That is C-O-M-B-S-C-M, the number two. Um, I'm a little under the weather right now. For our viewers outside of Ohio and outside the U.S., uh, the climate changes. Uh, climate's really volatile. Volatile. It just changes. It's, it's 56 on Saturday. It's 20 on Monday. Um, now it's like... 16 out i think yeah. right now as we record this on yeah, so, uh, wednesday night yeah that's that's really why i'm feeling under the the weather um sorry that was a uh pro wrestling video i was thinking that <laughs> um but yeah nice my, well, way to start the show <laughs> We're really prepared right now. Yeah, so so I was like really impressed. So, origi- so let's go into this first. What was your thoughts going into the movie here? Because I didn't do any... Re- the only thing I knew yeah. is that Meryl Streep was in it and that Tom Hanks was in it. I didn't know that Bob about- and David was yeah. in it. I was happy to know I to knew. That. I was anxious to see... I didn't know Ben Bradley was the editor. He was the... And when you watch... All the President's Men, the character Bren Bradley, he was the editor in that movie. I thought he was going to be like one of their go-getter reporters. Mm-hmm. Nope, he was an executive editor at that time, too. So he was, I was anxious to see how that character was played, because in All the President's Men, if you guys ever watched that movie, go ahead and watch it. The character Ben Bradley says, fuck a lot. And the actor even told, like, how am I supposed to play this guy all i do is walk around the newsroom and say fuck all the time and they're like yep that's ben bradley now which which ben bradley did you like more tom tanks version or who was the actor in uh, all the president's men uh i'll tell you who i like first okay well real quick here i should mention spoiler alert possibly this is not a fictional movie this really did happen so if you know your history uh, pretty much, it's already has been spoiled. But just to warn you, we're yeah. we're going to spoil the movie, even Jason, though if you know Jason your history. Robarts. Jason Robarts played Ben Bradley in All the President's Men. Yeah, and uh, I'll play an audio of it. This is All the President's Men, nineteen seventy six movie. This is Jason Robards.
people who were drunk and slept all day. Jesus. They didn't have the San Francisco chronic all day. How about the crosswood puzzle? No, no. And autographs? No space. No space. Yeah, see, yeah, I, I like the uh, All the President's Man, Jason Roberts version, because I think it more accurately reflected him, because he didn't say fuck that much in, uh, in the post, but uh, Tom Hanks did a good job. I'm yeah, not, Tom I'm not Hanks. knocking Tom Hanks, it's just that part of it's the first time I saw an impression of Ben Bradley was in All the President's Men, and, eh, you know, it, it. I would give him credit, Tom Hanks played a really good Ben Bradley, you know. And I think that actually worked out well because he was a younger, he Ben Bradley was younger at that time, so he's out there snooping for stories. Uh, yeah, I was like really, really didn't expect Ben Bradley to look like that. Um, but uh, yeah, and he just recently, I guess you could still say, kind of recently, just yeah, passed 2014, away. Yeah, yeah, in October twenty second. 2014. I know it was in October. I think it was the 22nd, uh, right before the uh, 2014 midterm election. But uh, what were your thoughts yeah, going in? I, I like I said, I didn't really have many thoughts. This was the first movie I think I've seen in movie theaters since either 2014 or 2015. Yeah. I think the last movie I went and saw maybe was the Lego movie. Yeah. The <laughs> so that kind of tells the you. The last movie I saw was uh, it was Johnny Depp and I think it was called Transcendence. Um, so yeah, that's the last major movie. Or you know what I just thought of something? I've never even heard of that movie. Uh, Django. I don't know which one came out last. It was either... Lego movie or Django Unchained, and because yeah. I, I love Quentin Tarantino movies, I didn't even go see. Uh, He's like, "May I remove the one to my pocket?" He's like, "I love that guy." Yeah, I love all the Quentin Tarantino movie. Actually, I did a speech class where you had to talk about like a uh, cinema, and uh, I did mine on Quentin Tarantino. I really like him as so, a director. What were your thoughts on the movie? 
uh, going in. Now, I guess we'll kind of give a play-by-play of the movie. The movie yeah. opens up. It's in Vietnam. Yeah. Daniel uh, Ellsberg is there. Yeah. It really a great uh, opening sequence. Yeah. I really like that because it, it shows all Vietnam. these guys. It starts yeah. with Vietnam. And that's what the whole story is. It's about Vietnam and how bad it was and about mm-hmm. how how the government lied for like three, four, five, six presidencies yeah, Truman, 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 Eisenhower, JFK. Kennedy, Johnson, and it was going on Nixon. So that, yeah, that was five presidents. And most people, when they think, of course, this movie has to deal with the Pentagon Papers, yes. people think of LBJ and think of Nixon and maybe a little bit of Kennedy. But it goes as far back as Truman, yeah, uh, which is completely crazy. And also the Pentagon Papers, people mainly focus on Vietnam, think this was all about Vietnam. That also had some of the Pentagon Papers had to deal with the Korean War mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but I thought that was really a cool way to open up that yeah. movie. Of course, I should mention Steven Spielberg directed the movie. But uh, I really like how everybody was getting their gun to get, yeah. walk out there, you know, to go uh, patrol. I guess that's the right word to use the uh, the you know in the rainforest of Vietnam. And uh, then you see him with his typewriter, and they go out there. And uh, it does a pretty good job of highlighting how, you know, just the instant when you're out there in the fog of war, everything's quiet. And, you know, the guy like said, stop. And then all of a sudden just all hell breaks loose. And then uh, it turns out that was a flashback. Uh, they're on a plane or talking to what was that? The assistant attorney general? Yes. Yeah. Of the United States. Uh, and then, or was it the Secretary of State? It might have been the Secretary of State. Yeah, I, yeah it was the Secretary of State under Richard Nixon. So uh, they asked Daniel Ellsberg what his opinion was because he yeah. was a uh, he was on the ground there, and he says not much has changed. And then, then it flashes to him smuggling out documents. Yeah. Before that, the Secretary of State gets off Air Force One. The reporters are asking him questions, and he says, "We are." Uh, we, uh, we, Our expectation for Vietnam has been greatly surpassed, or something yeah, like that. To yeah, we surpassed. We, we surpassed our, our expectations for Vietnam the past twelve months. Yeah, and because they over. had, turns out, they have no expectations yeah. at all. The U.S. government had been lying about Vietnam and since so Dan- Eisenhower. Daniel Ellsberg, uh, you know, he takes like these documents outside. I guess he goes back to a hotel room. He goes into a room. They lock mm-hmm. this door with like two or three other people. Yeah. And then they start like. They start scanning. Yeah. Yeah. He's scanning each document. They start with Truman, go to Eisenhower, Johnson, yeah. Kennedy, all all the presidents. And they start clipping. And the, they, yeah, at the very the bottom, bottom. Where it says top secret. So they clip the bottom of that. And it should I should note that it's really interesting because when they clip the bottom, that's yeah. also the page number. And later on, we'll yeah. get to it. It's crazy how they got all these papers laying out yeah. on the floor. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And they're trying to solve like, okay, I got a memo here from July 27th, uh, 1968. Do you have a piece of that? Or do yeah. you know? It's like, yeah. oh, I, I saw it over here. So yeah. I thought that was a really cool part of and the movie believe, to highlight how investigative journalism that's taken to a new level they yeah. were really digging yeah. into just that's, thousands of that's papers that's why if people make the comparison that the modern day version of daniel ellsberg is uh edward snowden mm-hmm. and that's why edward snowden is the president of the freedom of the press foundation because it's not just journalists it's also whistleblowers yeah 
Um, have you seen the Edward Snowden movie? I have not seen it. Yes. You did. What, what do you think of that, real quick? Okay. Not the to Edward Snowden. Do too much of a U-turn, but yeah, the movie Snowden. Uh, he starts out. Uh, he goes to basic, and uh, slips and fall, breaks his leg. And he wants to service country, so uh, he uh, he does a really good job on this uh, programming test that you have to take before you get admitted into the NSA. And uh, what he did was is like he didn't do anything in order but he took the fastest route to get there. They have a list of things that they have you do to complete this exam. And people, most of the other students, they just follow that list. Edward Snowden didn't follow the list in order. He just found the quickest route to do it. And he's like, what would you like me to do next? And then the teacher said, whatever you want. And uh, it's, uh, it's really interesting. A good Edward Snowden movie that I would advise anybody to watch is called Citizen Four. It's a Laura Pointress uh, documentary. It follows Edward Snowden when he was in Hong Kong, and uh, in that movie, the Oliver Stone. He went there to went to Hong Kong before he went to Russia, where he's at now, yeah. right? Yeah, that's why I saw it. Yeah, and uh, in that in that documentary, you'll see as uh, Julian Assange, uh, him and another activist were buying passports. Mm-hmm. under for Edward Snowden to trick the Obama administration in trying to stop them. So it's not just one plane you have to scramble get. It's five or six planes. So they bought all these passports to all these different countries, right? So that way when those planes go out, you're like, oh my God, they actually stopped the wrong plane. They stopped some plane in France. He touches yeah. down in Russia and that's where he is. Yeah, I think it was uh, Russia, France, wasn't it Peru or something yeah. like that? And, and uh, Glenn Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald, uh, he's now at the Intercept. He was in that movie. Um, he actually has, people don't know this, Glenn Greenwald has a boyfriend and he was stopped at an airport. And uh, his boyfriend from Brazil, I guess, was, was questioned for like 45 minutes to an hour. Wow. And then they just held him there for four hours until Glenn came. And Glenn's like, oh, baby, I'm sorry. Are you okay? And then, like, you see, like, this big buff Brazilian dude walk out, and he's, like, crying. And I'm like, dude, the NSA must be some terrible fucking people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah they made are. This, made this, I don't care, I don't care, like, this guy, he's a big Brazilian dude, and he comes out there crying. I'm like, shit. But, yeah. So, yeah, and back to the post. Um, Yeah, so, so they're copying that paper, which must have took hours on end. And then the New York Times is the one that gets it first, mm-hmm. and it's this guy that gets it right. And this boy, they have this like, they have this like little young kid. They're like, okay, hand this to so and so. And then they would like kids like running, running across like street. town man, like downtown yeah. Manhattan to get it to the New York Post or yes. New York Times. My bad. And at the same time, Katie Graham is uh, is about to take the company public. Um, so that's another thing I didn't know about. That's the thing I really liked about the movie because it tells about the journalism side about getting to the Pentagon Papers, but also yeah. the Washington Post kind of is uh, upstart. It's like you know becoming, going from a, a local. small local paper to what we know today. Because I mean, we'll relate it more. We'll draw more conclusion as we go on talking about the story to Nixon and Trump. But let's be honest, Trump put Nixon put Trump. Uh, wait, Washington or Nixon put 
the Washington Post on the map. And now I feel like Trump has put them back on the map even more. Not that they really went anywhere, but when they came out with that tagline, democracy dies in darkness, it seems like once again, the New York or the Washington Post and the New York Times are heavy hitters. They're the one every night breaking news about this Trump administration, just like back in the day, they were breaking news every single day about the Nixon administration. Let's be honest here. Nixon and Trump, yeah, they're both Republican. I'm not going to be anti-Republican here, but you want to talk about two presidents that were very hostile to the press? Donald Trump is number one. I never thought anybody could be more hostile than Nixon, but somehow Donald Trump found a way because Nixon never personally went up. Most people don't like it, but I put Obama third or fourth. The reason why is because just the prosecution of uh, of whistleblowers, yeah, um, the NSA. Like I don't care what anybody says. I agree with you on that. Yeah, uh, the the fact that he lied. I'll throw in Bill Clinton also. Bill yeah. Clinton didn't like the press. Hillary Clinton, uh, let's be honest here, I yes. voted for Hillary Clinton, but she was not, you know, she wanted to attack Donald Trump for being anti-press. She wasn't very friendly about the press also. There was talk that Hillary Clinton yeah. might uh, stop the press from actually being able to yeah. go into the White House. So let's not yeah. forget that. Donald Trump thought about it and Hillary Clinton. So that's yeah. a, a negative draw I see on both. And George uh, W. Bush. George W. Yeah. Bush was very anti-press also. The last four or five presidents we've had, last guy, and I don't like him personally, but Reagan was probably yeah. the last guy that was kind of somewhat, maybe, or George H.W. Bush, the last yeah. four we've had, especially Trump has been very yeah. anti-press because he Who goes is- on Twitter and attacks these people. He, he says that, you know, any reporting that he doesn't like is just fake news, and that, that's Can harmful I call out some Democrats, for our democracy. Though? There yeah. some, all right, so Nancy Pelosi, she rounds up enough votes to pass the NSA legislation last week. Yeah. And uh, I think his name is Daryl Issa of California. Yeah, the Republican that just retired, yes. Who Who's a Democrat? Who's a Democrat from California that serves on the Judiciary Committee? Do you know his name offhand? Oh, uh, Steve, uh, Sh- uh, Schaefer, Schaefer, I think his name is. Representative Sh- uh, Schaefer or something, I believe. But uh, when you look for that... Uh, but yeah, you know, Bill Clinton, the the Clinton admits, but Trump, I would say is worse than Richard Nixon because he's actually putting it out there. Nixon was more hush-hush when the whole thing was coming out. I mean, Trump now has Twitter to go on there and just completely, uh, he's trash CNN, the Washington Post, which this uh, movie's about, the New York Times, uh, who and is it's, it? Um, it's not like, I, I haven't got there yet, it's not like. I'm not saying like the Washington Post and CNN are perfect. And Katie Graham in that movie, The Post, mm-hmm. she even says we're not perfect. But I mean, even uh, Marty Baron, he retweeted a story that the uh, that a Russians hacked a uh, utility company in Vermont. Yeah, you know, and they get it wrong. CNN got it wrong before. Yeah, or, journalists are, are human, just like yeah. how everybody else. Bakers are humans. Politicians are humans. But the thing is. Trump is trying to erode any credibility that journalists have, and that's yeah. dangerous because journalists—it's journalists like, work for the democracy and for the people, and you know they're supposed to go out there and tell what the American people should know. And the uh, the judge on the Supreme Court—I know I'm jumping way out ahead here, but and we'll go back. But I think it's very vital to kind of mention this. 
he asked, well, if the Washington Post had information about D-Day right before it happened, would you publish it? And the lawyer for the Washington Post said, no, uh, that's, you know, that's night and day difference because that is, you know, that is a war plan that have yet to take place where we're just putting out information yeah. about it and historical Time. survey document. Yeah. I mean, because let's be honest, the Pentagon yeah. was conducted. It was basically a survey. It was research. Yeah, it's an academic into, research. Yeah, academic research into Vietnam and the government and what the government basically, they were saying two different things because the government in their own research said that this war, the Vietnam War was unwinnable. And I liked how uh, we, we pretty much what we're talking about now is where they would have, uh, when he was scanning the documents that mm -hmm. showed like Kennedy, the war can't mm -hmm. be won. And then just like Kennedy talking about how like, uh, oh, what was it? It was Kennedy like, uh, we'll never go into Vietnam or like we might have to go into Vietnam. And then there's a, you know, like we're not going into yeah. Vietnam. And then, and then Johnson scanned. And he's and like that. the Asian boys, you know, Johnson was like the Asian boys are going to have to fight for their own. And it's yeah. like Johnson prepared yeah, to go Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to send our American boys out there when the Asian boys to do the job that Asian boys are supposed to do. Yeah. And like, ooh, okay, LBJ. Yeah, yeah that was LBJ, the, the guy from Texas. So yeah, Daniel Ellsberg, he was the guy that like the Pentagon papers and we'll uh, we'll talk about and when we're all talking about leaking, let's talk about uh, again national security. Uh, Adam Schiff, he is one of the lead uh, representatives in the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Could possibly run for president in twenty twenty as well. He he called Trump out. He called Trump out as a loyalist to Putin. He constantly talks about how Putin has has too much power. But this is the same guy. That voted in favor of the NSA bill last week to give Putin, or not Putin, but Trump, unprecedented, unprecedented, you know, access to spy on millions of Americans without a warrant. Yeah. He did that. I mean, like Obama did it, Bush did it, Obama did it, now Trump did it. And you're thinking, like, with a guy with that much baggage, and you hate him so much, but you'll let he him can spy, now on. spy on anybody. Yeah. Why does he want that? Why does why do these Democrats support that? I don't yeah. get that. Why did Obama want it? Why did Bush want it? You know, you know? Bush power, got it. Yeah. it. It come down to the uh, what was that? That only Russ Feingold voted against uh, the Freedom Act. That's what it all came down to. With that, and the only reason why people supported that because it's like, well, you can't be against the oh, not the Freedom Act, the uh, Patriot yeah. Act. That's what it was. It's like, well, you know, if you if you don't support the Patriot Act, then obviously you must be unpatriotic. That's, right, that's yeah. how politicians. That's how they get away and with Obama all that campaign bullshit. Obama campaigned on that, you know, and yeah. campaign saying that we won't, we will not, you know, just people millions of Americans, and sure enough, he did that, and. Yeah, that was one of the bad things about Obama. I wish he would have been more tougher on the environment. Of course, the whole drone strikes with Obama yeah. got like ridiculous in my opinion as well. Yeah. He should have, uh, those guys on Wall Street that crashed the economy in 2008, they yeah, they should have went to jail. He just let Why? them go walk and then, away. And then, like, there's also a war in Yemen that's getting out of control. I forget to mention that. I know we're getting off topic here. But there's a war in Yemen that's like getting out of control. Yeah. And we're more involved than people think. We really are. That's yeah, gonna. Just, it is, you know, and it makes you think, you know, 
watching this movie, I, I couldn't help but think of the whole Russian investigation that is yes. underway right now. And it's just yeah, like, parallel. you know, there's some journalists that are going to be household names that are not household yeah. names like right Carl now. Like Carl and Bob Woodward. Yeah, during there's Watergate. like going yeah. to be another Bob and Carl of this generation. And yeah. I think it'll just be like the Washington Post and the New York Times. I'll just, boom. Yeah. It's a brand onto itself. A lot of that's another thing with journalists. Uh, a lot of them aren't brand names no more. Like Hunter S. Thompson was a brand name. Mm -hmm. Gay Talese was. Bob Woodward was. Um, and it's not probably like, because of cable news now. People know journalists, but they know more the commentators. Yeah, like all they Chris Matthews just the people that they see on Bill TV. Like now, Bob Wolf, who wrote that Fire and Fury book. Uh, you know, you have to get on TV. If you don't get on TV, there's a lot of great journalists out there that just don't get on TV. But uh, so where were we exactly? So she's about to make the company public here yeah. at Washington Post. At that time was worth about $3.5 million. Yes. And this was in 1971. I should mention, yeah. and at the very end of the movie, they touch on Watergate. Uh, and that's another thing that made Washington Post a national, not just local paper, but exploded into a uh, national. And let's be honest, Washington Post is an international newspaper now. Yes. I mean, it goes all over the world. Uh, one of the most important papers outside. What would you say right now? The top three papers, probably New York Times, Washington Post, and probably Party. USA Today, probably. Yeah, I wouldn't put the USA, USA Today. I'm sorry. Yeah. USA Today is a shitty paper. I don't like it either, but yeah. I'm just saying there's so many people uh, that read it. Worldwide, Chicago Tribune. Yeah, I, I think the LA Times. ProPublica. I'll just give you let's my favorite ones. Washington mm -hmm. Post, number one, New York Times, The Guardian, and then it just gets real tricky from there. Um, I like The Intercept because they do good work when it comes to national security, surveillance, and cybersecurity. Um you go, you go there, you can go to Intercept, you can uh, read ProPublica. They just done an article on the private garbage system in New York City, and a lot of people are dying in that in that field of work. It's, it's one of the most dangerous jobs. Oh, yeah. It's actually more dangerous to be, I think, a a trash picker in NYC than it is to be, for example, a taxi driver or air traffic control. Yeah, they got a serious problem there in New York. It gets overlooked, but the uh, whole garbage issue. Of course, everybody knows back in, I believe it was the 90s, there was a big uh, barge, a big ship that had New Jersey, uh, or not New Jersey, but New York City trash, and nobody would accept it. Uh, that was just a complete uh, embarrassment for the city of New York. But uh, New York is uh, yeah, and used then, to embarrassment. Uh, I read the New Yorker from time to time. I read a lot of long-form journalism. Mm -hmm. I like Vox because they do a lot of in-depth informative articles. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Iglesias, um, he done one on uh, should the Democrats force Bill Clinton to resign in the 90s. You pot about that. Yeah. Um, great article. Uh, 538, Nate Silver, when they just do these prediction met metrics, Nate Cohen of the New York Times. And now um, New York Times, they have uh, a new one now. What is that called? The Upshot? upshot. Yeah, yes, the Nate Upshot. Cohen's on that. There's um, also another great one that does like talk about political policy. It's called Monkey Wonk. Cage. Oh, really? There's one called Monkey Cage, but what was the one that you were going to? Wonk Blog at the Washington Post. That one's good it? also, yeah. yes. 
Um, so yeah. Um, what are your favorite outlets? Uh, well, Monkey Cage, I like that. I like Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, 5.38 also. I'm basically stealing all of yours. I like the San Francisco Chronicle because I, yeah. I, I like the uh, San Francisco sports as yeah. well as New York, so I always check out what's out there in San Francisco. Um, the Seattle Times, uh, I think... Uh, I read sometimes just because we're local around yeah. here. The Cincinnati Inquirer. Shout out to Keith Banana Nation. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but yeah, that's pretty much, you know, of the ones that actually published newspapers, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. well, you know, 538 technically isn't a newspaper, yeah. but it's attached to a news. Or no, I guess it's not anymore. It's ESPN, so yeah. technically it's not. Yeah, it used to be part of New York Times. Yeah, so and then it. they have the upshot. So I also canceled. like the ringer because Bill Simmons is my dude. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, it's like uh, you know, the, my most hated one is Brett Favre. <laughs> you know, some of those, or yeah. maybe not even them, just websites that are just pu- just publish so much fake news. It just yeah. imagine under like Richard Nixon if there was such thing as fake newspapers yeah. and stuff like that. Nixon would have probably got away with Watergate. I mean, let's play he on this would. scenario yeah, right here. Yeah. If there was fake news, do you really think if that Nixon, Nixon was president and he he you know broke his uh, his boys broke into the uh, Watergate hotel? Yeah, which they did. Survive? Would he survive in 2017, 2018? Yes, he wouldn't get impeached. Yeah. He'd still be president. Could you? You'd probably have some like newspaper articles out there, some or online articles saying that, oh well, you know, this guy who broke in, his brother was a Democrat. He voted for Hillary Clinton, so obviously that's just a Democratic inside job. And you'd have Alex Jones on there. So it is crazy well, that. What are some of the that, biggest... some of the guys that report on the new? And I put quote. Uh, report in quotations here. Yeah. But like Alex Jones, some of these people are, let's be honest, not journalists. They are just commentators. And I yeah. think people can't tell the difference between and journalists journalism. and commentators. And that's and kind of a cancer can, on journalism. And then the blend between the two of them would be an editorial or a columnist. So Stephen mm-hmm. A. Smith would be a columnist. You know, he's used to be a reporter, but now he's a columnist. Yeah. And, but at least he's smart. That's the thing. Stephen A. Smith sometimes might give bad opinion, bad takes, yeah. but at least he knows his stuff. And he but you get like Bob in wrong. Iowa who doesn't know what yeah. the fuck the three branches of government are, and yeah. that's what really Stephen is Stephen A. Bad. Smith got this right, though, in the 2015 season, uh, or it was Kevin Durant's last contract year in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith talked to a bunch of people, and they said like he's thinking about going to Golden State. And Kevin Durant called him out there and told him it was fake news. And then Stephen A. Smith was right because who does he play for right now? So yeah. it's not like he still – they still do it. They still have sources and stuff. But uh, good journalism like the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, thank God they're still around. Just uh, thank God. Because like, like, like people, they didn't give a damn about Watergate back then. They care about it now, but they didn't. And right now, like 20 years from now, people are like, oh, my God. I mean, compared to the Russian investigation, more people cared about Watergate back then yeah. than that now cares about but Russia. Russia is like a stupid version of Watergate. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. A bunch this of is... dumb people. Like who like, said it? Called it Watergates for dummies. John, John Oliver. Is that who it was? Yeah. yeah it was like stupid just, Watergate. It really it, is. It really is because it's like 
It's like at least they, at least Nixon had like some smart. He had like G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah. Like, give him credit. He had some competent people around him. Like, George let's be honest. Pompadopoulos, Richard Nixon represents a lot of what's wrong with America. Yeah. But the guy was smart. You can't say that Richard Nixon was dumb. I mean, he was dumb how he did it, and that's how he got caught. But Richard Nixon, you can't say he that didn't Richard get caught Nixon in his was first dummy. year in office. No, no, no. He got a special. Let's be honest, Nixon had been shady since the first time he ran for Congress way back in, uh, I believe it was the 1930s. I mean, he was always questionable. That, you know, the nickname Tricky Dick, the first Democrat, the first time he ran for Congress, his Democratic opponent called him Tricky Dick back in the 30s, and that stuck with him for the rest of his political career. And that person nailed him perfectly down he's tricky dick he was you couldn't trust richard nixon but the thing about richard nixon people always say not to praise the guy but people always say that he had no charisma and that's why john f kennedy beat him in 1960 but i don't know i think richard nixon has charisma because here's the thing there's a documentary about johnson or almost any other president versus something about richard nixon I'm not watching a documentary on Johnson or yeah. Eisenhower, and I love Eisenhower. I have this yeah. Eisenhower mug, and I absolutely adore. I'm watching the thing on Nixon because Nixon, even though we have a crazy person that might not be mentally fit that's in the office right now, we just had our first African-American president that was yeah. cool as hell, You know, did college basketball brackets, all that kind of stuff. There was something about Nixon that we're just never going to get in another president. And Trump might be paranoid, but there was just this layer of just still a mystery that is Richard Nixon. Nixon is just this very <sighs> mysterious person because when you see him sit down and talk about sports, it's like, wow, this guy's like really smart. And he's smart on other things, but like Nixon yeah. probably knew Hunter more about, about the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, he knew more about football and baseball than any other president. All the other presidents combined yeah. could not top Richard yeah. Nixon's and that's knowledge. Real, that's in really sports. a tough tough act for Nixon. And you know what Richard Nixon wanted to do? W, W, he knew, he knew the lineup of the Texas Rangers any day of their season or whatever. Oh yeah. But only, only the Texas Rangers though. Nixon knew knew everything about baseball, which was impressive. But here's the interesting thing. And this is what, and this relates to the movie here. Richard Nixon said, somebody asked him after Watergate, after he was retired, a private citizen, they asked, if you were not the president of the United States and never got into politics, what would you have done with your life if you could have never got elected, if you would have never won an election? And he said that he would have been a beat writer, a sports reporter. Wow. And I find that very interesting because throughout the whole movie, it switches over to Nixon. He says, I hate the Washington Post. Uh, In the very beginning of the movie, after what we've been talking about, he bans the Washington Post from covering his daughter's wedding at the White House. Of course, I think it was Trisha Nixon was getting... uh, married to Cox. Yeah. Uh, the other Nixon would get married to uh, Eisenhower, David Eisenhower. Of course, Eisenhower, if that sounds familiar, the son of former President Dwight. Ike Eisenhower. Yeah. yeah, Dwight Eisenhower. So I thought that was really interesting. So Nixon always hated the press, but secretly he wanted to write about sports for a big newspaper because yes. back then you're not going to blog about it. So he would yeah. have had to went to a newspaper. So it's interesting that a man who hates so much about the free press wanted to be a sports writer. And this is the, the thing that I can relate to Donald Trump and Nixon, how they both merge. Nixon hated 
uh, or I mean, Trump hates the media, even though he ran a reality show on NBC for uh, over a decade. Let's be honest here. It started back in 2004, went all the way to 2015, and they finally yeah. had to get rid of him because they were like, oh my God, he's saying all this stuff about Mexicans. Yeah. Um, but anyway, not to get too much into Trump, but going back into the movie here. So the New York Times, they get the information, they get some of the Pentagon Papers, and the Pentagon Papers, do you remember how many pages of the Pentagon Papers? Was it over 100,000 pages yeah. of uh, document? So they're going through it. They start publishing. I think they get about two articles published, and then um, the uh, district attorney, a judge, says that you cannot publish all this stuff under the Espionage Act, that we're going yeah. to uh, freeze the Washington uh, or the New York Times from being able to yeah, write about the Pentagon. Yeah, put an injunction in. You can't write about it until, I believe it was five or six days. So Tom Hanks' main character gets out there and says, we got to find these papers. We got to find these papers. And I, this is an interesting thing here. I, I found it very interesting because the Washington Post in the movie, yeah. they brought this kid into the, uh, he, he took a package. Yeah. And he was in the New York Times newsroom. Yeah. And then the Washington Post newsroom, a girl like in hippie clothing just comes up and she was like, are, are you, you important? important? He's like, I'm a general assignment reporter, right? <laughs> And she drops a bo box on his desk and tries to walk in the uh, office to talk to Ben Bradley. He's like, not right now. So he's not really important. Yeah. And then he hands it to some other guy and then like, oh, I think we have something. So, yeah, yeah, he's like, holy shit, I think we have something here. But I think it was so interesting because you could never get into a newsroom nowadays. It just goes to show you how free form and loosey goosey it used to be back then smoking the cigarettes uh just way different now because i ran for congress for those who don't know i ran for congress you had to be buzzed in and everything key cards i mean it was behind all these glass doors everything but uh the movie portrayed the newsroom in a completely different way and for those who've watched like um the uh, the post also or have seen all the president's men or any movie or tv show that shows a newsroom they really are set yeah. up like that because i've been up to it's on the 18th floor yeah. of that building the cincinnati Enquirer downtown yeah. office down there in cincinnati yeah. and it's just like that they have the big old timey clocks up yeah. there the big giant one that's like a big fishbowl uh really cool i love going in uh newsroom and stuff like that because you'll just see somebody working on the side like over there talking about something about the Cincinnati Bengals and then there'll be another guy writing about Cincinnati weather and stuff and it's just yeah. cool because but it's crazy because it's it's half the size of what they yeah. used to be because now it's like they get the weather from the yeah. weather channel they get the news but most of it gets yeah. from AP and uh, this movie really the thing I loved about this movie is highlights why investigative journalism works because I have a passion for journalist journalism I wanted to originally go into journalism but especially you Clint you have a way more of a passion than I do yes. about journalism um, because you were actually going for journalism and you actually wrote for the school paper yes. uh talk, I, talk a little bit about the school paper also as well because yeah. i was kind of involved i never really wrote anything yeah. i said i was going to write something but i never really did uh, i was on the staff so but what really I got me started up. was like i started taking creative writing classes i was introduced to like gay talise and Hunter yeah. s thompson and bill simmons it's it's awesome when you take a creative writing class and you get to read something from bill simmons it's oh yeah fucking great right 
And then the following semester, I took a journalism writing class. And that's like when I was like, oh my God, I really like current events. I really like looking for stuff. I really like searching for the truth. And I did write for the Miami student. Um, I wrote, I covered their city council. Um, first one, first article I did, I only wrote like two or three articles. Mm -hmm. uh, first article I did was on uh, pay raises for city council members. I'd done that. And then the second article I did was on this controversial, uh, it was a city ordinance and it would allow Trinitas Ventures, which is a renter's company, to move in and build property on this land. Um, so I guess the big thing that citizens were concerned about was like if Trinitas gets this, uh, gets their ordinance like they, like they wanted to, um, they will pay into the public system only for a short period of time. And then the property taxes would shoot up in that neighborhood because the cost of dormitory rooms and stuff like that would just keep rising. So that was their concern. Their biggest concern was water, sewage, and garbage pickup. They were afraid that the sewage, garbage, and all those things that they would not be taken care of, that the uh, that once this, they will not pitch in because it was, I think they would like force the city to take care of it at some point. That's what citizens were concerned about. Mm -hmm. Because it was private and Trinidad said they would pay for it. And then, you know, they're like, well, five, ten years down the road, like, you know, if they say, screw it, we want the public's help with it, we'll take public utilities. It's like, oh my God, you know. Um, so there is that. And then I wrote for this uh, online magazine called Hey Hamilton, where uh, this girl, she ended up running for city council in Hamilton. Her name's Pastor Shaquilla Matthews. I covered a education hype event where a rapper from Dayton, Ohio, who was a Christian rapper, his name was Cam, capital C-A-M, uh, Cam, uh, they gave haircuts to a young kid. It was at the Booker T. Washington Center. And, uh, that Wasn't was... not that just over the summer? Uh, that, that Hey Hamilton article, that was back in 2015. And so, after that, I just started writing, I just started writing blog posts on, like, Medium. Like, I'd done that. I sent you one where I talked about, you know, when I was, uh... I like, read that, by the yeah. way. I thought that was, that was really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, when I was... You need that. to write more. You definitely uh, do. I mean, the, the latest thing you probably wrote about was probably on the winstreak.com about yeah. Marvin Lewis, I believe it was. Uh, actually, it was about LeBron James when he lost to the Nets. And um, my big take on that was, uh, yeah, like uh, you're not helping yourself out when you have the Nets have like their first round draft pick and they just totally just fucking lose to the Nets, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I plan to write more. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking like, thinking like, do I want to pitch to an editor or, you know, I, I honestly, I want an editor to just look over my work so I can just publish it on the like NGA or the wind streak or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I like, honestly, what I wanted to do and what I still want to do is, you know, something similar to what, you know, what, what Hunter S. Thompson does and what Gay Talese does, which is like, they report the news, but they report, on a story over a longer t period of time, it's long form, and they get more in depth, and they're actually involved in the story. Um, that's called new journalism or gonzo journalism. For example, Hunter S. Thompson covered the 1972 uh, 
Democratic uh, campaign, and uh, he followed George McGovern around. And I so, like the stuff he wrote about Richard Nixon. Yes, and the stuff when he uh, Hell's about, Angels too. He followed the biker gang he got around. His ass and, kicked, yeah, yeah, he got like punched in the face. He was like, <laughs> he got, he's got his ass kicked. Um, Gay Talese, this guy, he he wrote a story called The Voyeur's Motel, and what he does is like uh, he meets this guy who owns a motel and he he owns it just to spy on on people just to he created these air vents in the ceiling so he can watch uh, men and women do stuff in private so yeah <laughs> what like, kind of private stuff do their taxes sex. no like sex like yeah. he wanted to watch them have sex and this one couple they turn off the lights so he got mad and so he took his car and he parked it right in front of the uh the window that they were having sex in and he left his brights on so he went outside went upstairs yeah, the wow, guy, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, real, real creepy dude, right? Yeah. Um, his name is Gerald Foose. Wow. Yeah. And There's and a, Hunter S. Thompson covered him? No, Gay Talese did. Okay. Wow. That's what, what was this? Where was this hotel at? Do you remember? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. I was gonna say it sounds like some of that happened either down south or out west. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So uh, Netflix does a documentary called Voyeur, and Gay Talese talks about how he covers it. Um, that was really interesting. And like Hunter S. Thompson, when he done the uh, 1972 Fear and Loathing piece, he mm-hmm. talked a lot about Nixon. I love his stuff on Nixon, and he was really fascinated with Nixon. Nixon's a fascinating guy, and I, I, mean, I don't blame it. But Nixon made him rich because like all his best pieces were about Nixon. He even talked about the Eagleton affair. I don't know if you remember George McGovern's first running mate. In that yes, Nixon the electroshock shock therapy. therapy. Yeah. Yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah. And then he would go on to get um, Shriver. Shriver would be his second vice presidential pick. I mean, that right there, that sunk McGovern. I think McGovern would have done better in 1972. I just think that that whole thing about electric shock shock therapy came out, and it totally pretty much killed McGovern. McGovern would only go on to win, I believe it was Minnesota and Massachusetts. Yeah, and I think that might have been the only two states he won in the District of Columbia because the District of Columbia has never voted Republican in a presidential really? election. Yeah, uh, first presidential election was 1964. Every election, Democrat have really? never came close. I think the closest a Republican came, I believe Ronald Reagan one time got 18 percent of the vote. Wow. Yeah, and he still got blown out. I mean, I did better. In Ohio's 8th Congressional District than freaking Ronald Reagan did in the District of Columbia. And, hey, we both live in both of these areas. But Republicans, like I said, Washington, D.C., that's why Robert Mueller has his um, grand jury in the District of Columbia because Republicans argue that, um, you know, home field advantage for Robert Mueller that they're more liberal there and prone to not like Republicans. So and just move the White House to fucking Texas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I if mean, you're George, yeah. hell, already Mar-a-Lago or uh, is Mar- more. Mar-a-Lago, yeah, yeah is more of the White House now, especially the next. Uh, we Martin Luther King Day, which was on Monday. Yeah. You know what he did? He went down and golfed. Uh, George W. Bush did civic activity. So did Obama. Bill Clinton helped uh, paint a retirement home and all this stuff. But 
Trump, what did he do? No, just went and golfed on his own private resort. So you got to love that. But going back, you, you asked something I really liked, and I want to bring this yeah. up on the show before we forget. You basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. You can maybe fix what yeah. you exactly said. But you asked me, who makes a bigger difference in the world, politicians or journalists? And I really like this. Because I feel like it's journalists, honestly, because journalists yeah. keep politicians uh, honest. But then I get thinking it, it depends on who, because there's bad politicians. Of course, there's really bad politicians. But I say there's bad journalists also, because you can have a journalist that, uh, and, and the owner of the Post is kind of faced with that dilemma of do yeah. I put the people's interest first or my and it's own not interest really on the first? Reporters. It's not really the reporter's fault. Not it is, but mainly it's it's more of an organizational thing. Like, yeah, we got business interests to take care of. Well, sometimes if journalists have their own vendetta against yeah. something or their own agenda, that's the thing. You, as a journalist, you don't ever want to go in and do something and have an agenda. Like, uh, even if you don't like Richard Nixon or Trump personally, you can't go in there and just write, like, fuck this guy. I'm going to try to find anything I can to make this guy look yeah. bad in this That's piece. pretty much what Breitbart is. Yeah, true. that's what it is. And that's why I say Breitbart isn't news, not because, you know, I mean, it looks like news, but in the end it has the agenda. And when you have an agenda, in my opinion, that's a, that's yeah. a column piece. That's an opinion piece. That's yeah. not news it looks like news and that's why so many people need to realize what a credible source is and what yeah. isn't a credible source and that's kind of how we've got into the mess that we are in and that's what cable right now. news cable news exaggerates what it what it even what's an opinion what's news they, they yeah they blur the lines so much and msnbc does this more to an extent than fox news does it but if you ever watch msnbc and cnn when a big story breaks they'll have somebody from the post or the times come on but the post and times reporters they won't go on Fox News. I always wonder why. I think they might be banned. They might be. I don't know. I, I yeah. could be wrong. Because you got to remember, Fox News has to invite you on. I don't think they get invited on. They might not be officially banned, but I think they're the reason because yeah. New York uh, Post and the Washington Times yeah. goes on Fox News yeah. from what I've seen. I'm not going to. It might be liberal, other ones. To me, um, them get, even going on MSNBC or CNN, it's not a liberal or conservative thing. I even watched Rachel Maddow. I'm like, they. she asks really good questions, and then when she gets done interviewing them, she throws her opinion out there. So it's not like she, she asks really good questions, and these guys come on there, and they'll clarify, like guys from the Washington Post, of like, well, the thing that we're still looking into it is it obstruction of justice that the president says, hey, let Mr. Flynn go. He's a good guy. I mean, so it's not like these reporters, they come on there and they have their opinion, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, yes, so I do think yeah, journalism does more good for society than politicians do. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who, who said, "If I would have, would I have? Which one would I have? A government or a free press? I would have a free press." Yeah, it's like the fourth branch of government. It's yeah. basically the you know journalism. I forget who said that, but like the fourth estate yeah. is you know the free press, and, and it's what important about that to have one a free scene press. in the movie where like the phone rings, right? And then they're like, "Oh, the Supreme Court's decision." They read that quote, and I believe the quote was, "Uh, because our founding fathers, you know, believed that the that the First Amendment." Is yeah, free free press has protection stuff yeah. like I I wrote like some notes down, but yeah, that was a six to three Supreme Court. 
uh, decision that ruled in favor of the Washington Post and the Times over government. But, I mean, it directly affected the Post and the Times, but I should mention it. It affected every newspaper, anybody associated with journalism and the free press. And I should mention also that the Washington Post, uh, Tom Hanks' character, when he walked in there to Meryl Streep's uh, character, and he throws down newspaper, the St. Louis Dispatch, uh, all across the country, they followed the the Washington Post lead. And that was not the first of many times, especially under uh, the Trump administration, we're seeing it again where the Washington Post and the New York Times, that's why our current president hates both of them so much because they do the dirty work. They go out there and all the other newspapers like Cincinnati Enquirer's, all the other ones, follow the lead of these two big newspapers. John Oliver said this in his piece. They said, uh, you should see how many times like news reporters cite or anchors cite like newspapers. Like from the Times, Pickawa, from the Orlando Sentinel, from the Cincinnati Enquirer, the Dallas Morning Sun, you know, and he's like, John Oliver's like, if they get rid of newspaper, all it's going to be is Wolf Blitzer yeah. batting around a uh, ball People of, always ball think just because it's a piece of paper yeah. that, you know, oh, it's outdated, but know what the Washington Post and newspaper represent. That's basically all the yeah. investigative journalism because I'll give CNN credit. They do have a small, it's gotten smaller over time, but they will break stories. Yeah. But MSNBC, they pretty much heavily rely on NBC News to give them any yes. kind of exclusive. As yes. for Fox News, they pretty much, that's why they're more opinion, because at least NBC had, uh, you know, Huntley and Brinkley. I believe yeah. those were the two guys on NBC. Yeah. They've had a culture of evening news and having yeah. a news desk. Fox came from absolutely nothing, you know, boob tube showing the symptoms and just like married with children. They were upstart back in the uh, early 80s. So that's why uh, I think Fox News gets more bashed than MSNBC because at least they have NBC News behind them. And CNN, well, they've uh, grown pretty much from the start. They were the first cable news program out there. But newspapers are very vital uh, so many blogs and cable news, yeah. they, they get their news from the newspaper and then publish it yeah. online or yeah. go on the air and read it. So it's really important. I mean, my podcast, that's what I do. I'm not getting those articles. I'm not going out there on the field. So that's why yeah. that stuff is so important. And I feel like we've shrunk our uh on the ground reporters so much that I feel like it had we had more reporters on the ground yeah. in twenty sixteen we would have known that Donald Trump was going to win. I really think if we I would agree. have had more reporters more out there in Ohio, we would realize that Trump Like what was we're talking about is more public polling in, in these smaller states to get an accurate view and just more on the ground reporting to see what the, see how voters feel. And, yeah. And, you know, even more reporters. Because the Enquirer down here, they kind of had that vibe that, oh, you know, Hillary Clinton is going to keep it close. They didn't bother to have, like, say, Keith that, like, runs uh, the Butler, uh, and Warren. Butler and Warren County. Uh, he should have went out there and did. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, they didn't have guys go out there and talk to really voters in Butler County. Yeah. And when you have and those pieces, him, I feel like the West Coast and the East Coast yeah. kind of dismiss it. That just, oh, well, they're just a couple of dumb hillbillies. That's not everybody, but... I feel like when we move into the 2020 election cycle, we do more have to pay attention to 
local news, how yeah. local, uh, you know, newspapers are reacting to the two presidential candidates. It does matter what people out in Iowa think about Donald Trump because, well, they determined who was going to be president in 2016, and it's sadly not going to be California. It's going to be Iowa and Ohio that decides it, just like every year. Uh, nobody should be surprised. But, um, yeah, you know what? I think it depends also. I say journalists, but, you know, there are some politicians that made more good than not all journalists, but some journalists, yeah. you know, it depends like on Judas, what kind of journalist. Like Judy, uh, Judy Smith, uh What's, is her name Judith Smith? Yeah. Uh, she's a New York Times reporter. She uh, covered the Iraq War, and she didn't bother interviewing a source within the George W. Bush White House that even said that he doubted the source within the White House, so that he doubted that there was weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So the media does do some bad things. Like, when it came to the war in Iraq, they did, a, and it's mainly cable news again, fucking it up, but... Cable news done a whole like you know piece on like war and you know like oh it's the Iraq war and it's okay and you know here I we are going to pan over to this this fucking Gary Payton is. I should Sorry. mention that Nixon banned the post from the White House that they were not allowed to do yeah. anything afterwards. And that was the thing. The Pentagon paper was the thing that put them on the map. And, of course, they would get even more famous because of the Supreme Court decision that was ruled in their favor with the New York Times. It's always good when you're a journalist to be lumped in with the New York Times. It's never a bad thing. Yeah. And uh, also, like I said, the Watergate... Uh, thing would just happen just mere months after the Pentagon Papers came out. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite scenes, probably my favorite scene from the whole movie, though, is when all those memos were not in order yeah. and the papers were all yes. over the floors because that really highlights how much uh, and then, dedication and, and hard yeah, work journalism really son, is. Graham Bradley's daughter had a lemonade stand. She made so much money that day. Yeah, I love like, that. Lemonade. And then they're like, they're like, uh, the one like, woman, like, the like, female reporter was like, do you got any vodka? And it, I thought that was funny. And she's like, she's like, why would, she's like, I don't have vodka to put in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was really, and also how tense it was when the uh, owner of the New York, uh, or the Washington Post, Kay Graham, yeah, Kay Graham. and Tom Hanks, uh, Ben Bradley, yeah. they were both talking, and they had their lawyers there, and they had yeah. the chairman of uh, on her board also yeah. saying, "Think about the uh, stock, you know, the people yeah. buying your stock now. Yeah, Think don't about the it. don't publish it." Yeah. They were worried because Daniel Ellsberg was the New York Times uh, source. So the dilemma was, is if if the New York Times had a source and the Washington Post was using that source, that means that that could be a felony conviction. Yeah. And then uh, Katie Graham said, you know what? Um, it's not my dad's paper. It's not my husband's paper. It's my paper. And that's what she tells the board. She's like, and the and the book is really good. It kind or the movie's really good because it kind of intertwined like a little bit of, of feminism in there yeah. about like, hey, this isn't you know because they even said at the beginning of the movie yeah. I should mention to Meryl uh, Streep K uh, character that she's playing that oh it's kind of a bad scene that investors aren't happy that a woman is running something yeah. that it just is seen as a weak newspaper organization. And there, and that was 1971. That wasn't too long ago. I was born in 1990. So that was under 30 years later. I mean, that is just, 
mind-blowing to my or not even 30 that was only 20 years later i was born yeah. so that just mind-blowing the mindset back then you know in the 1971 it's not like that was that prehistoric time there's a lot of people that was alive during you know during that time when that happened and uh i, I really like how carl bernstein uh, is still around and on CNN all the time yes. talking about Trump relating the two because I feel like these two presidents have a presidency have a lot in common that you can really intertwine between the two. But uh, I'm and I met Carl Bernstein, so yeah, I I don't mean to brag, but yeah, I that's really him. cool. I, I met I'm him jealous at Miami about that. at Miami Hamilton, and I'm like, wow, this guy is really cool. He's like really nicely dressed, and he he tells us he's like. Turn the lights on so I can have a conversation with a crowd. And I think I asked him about the state of journalism. And he's like, well, let me give you a pers an opinion from someone who dropped out of high school, but who's also a college professor. He talked about, like, journalism is more of a trade field. It's more of a trade, like a technical trade. And that what you need in journalism is, like, a liberal arts education. He's like, you're going to need to know political science. You're going to need to know history. You're going to need to know philosophy. You're going to need to know literature. And, yeah, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. And I, I was like, I was like shocked and like, just meet him, you know. Wow. I think capitalism hurts journalism also because yes. everything has to be tied to the almighty dollar. And we see that more and more. And that's why investigative journalism is going out the door. But the Trump administration and the previous Nixon administration kind of highlights that, hey, we need these news, uh, you know, we need these investigative journalists out there. And not even for those two. I don't mean to pick on those two. But I mean, that movie dealt with the Nixon administration. We're in the Trump administration. But even we should know what Obama was doing, what Bush was doing, what Bill Clinton was doing. It's not just a Republican or a Democratic thing. Uh, it, it should matter no matter who is the leader. And that's part of the reason why I'm glad I ran for Congress, because I feel like our politics are treated too much like a sports team where it's like, oh, well, I'm on team blue. I'm on team red. It shouldn't be like that, because when we get like that, I think journalists like first take some time. Yeah. Morning Joe's like that, too. It's just like, what are you going to do about it, Mika? <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to do? You don't come because you want to. You come because I tell you to. I just feel so bad that just like, I feel bad for people that like trying to do true journalist stuff and they just have, you know, to go through the landmine of, oh, we got to get clicks. We got to get clicks. So that's why yep. you see all these articles about something stupid. Like the thing I noticed that the local news is really bad about that. But even like BuzzFeed is bad yeah. about this also. BuzzFeed does some good journalism yeah. here and there, not as much as they should do. But they'll always have those like uh, new science research says that, you know, eating chocolate once a day will make you like fuck like a horse you know yeah. like you you'll have great sex and it's just like you know and that's the sad thing because i don't know if you saw the john yeah. oliver piece on this the reason why it, it just they take they have to write one little stupid quote so yeah. newspapers will pick it up well not really newspaper but right. online uh publication will pick yeah. it up and uh they'll do this 85 page like uh study yeah. and then they'll just write one little saying at the beginning to get somebody they won't read the newspaper the study but yeah. you'll see stupid stuff like oh if you eat 10 deep fried big macs uh you'll grow a extra inch on your penis or something like that 
And it's yeah. just like, and then they'll say in this article, like, well, that only happened to one out of like 200, like, uh, test rats that we yeah. did. So, but that's, that's the thing you have to, you have to get people's attention now. So now I feel journalism is harder because everybody has a short attention span, 24 hour yes. news cycle. You're competing with like Twitter. stupid stuff like the Kim Kardashian sports, not to equate the two. I, I would take sports way before Kim Kardashian, but. Uh, I, I just feel so it's just even harder today. Uh, you know, those guys had a, a really hard time back in 1971. And then after Watergate, putting the pieces together. But I feel, I feel like even though we have the computer now, we have instant news and all this stuff. I feel like now the job might even be harder than it was uh, 40 years ago with Richard Nixon. Yes. Because they're just so much of a distraction. And now you have fake news out there. You have Russian trolls out there that are actively trying to say that the Washington Post is anti-American, are propagandists as part of the deep state. And how do you I'll combat tell, that? See, you really I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little anecdotic story. Yeah. Right? So I was, I was spending time with someone close to me. I don't want to put them on blast. Um, but um, this person was talking to their kid. And they were like, you know what? Don't listen to the news. All of it's fake. It's not. Don't do something about fake news. Just all news is fake. They're just out there trying to get money. So you make a little talking money. like the news is like a stranger with candy that's gonna, you know, yeah, have and have the sex funny with thing them. Is is like newspapers are not profitable. So like, why would that be, even be a a money venture? You know? Yeah. He's like, yeah, they're just trying to make money. Blah blah blah. Sadly, people put out fake news. You can make some money on yeah. that selling advertisements and stuff like that. There was a, a teenage boy, I think, from Georgia that was pretending that it was part of uh, he would had like Trump for president dot org or something yeah. like that. People was going on it and they said, you know, donate some money to me and maybe you can be uh, you can have lunch with me. And all these Republicans donated. Turned out it went to that kid and he had nothing to do with the Trump campaign. I don't know if he had to pay back the money, but he got like $2 million. He's just sitting there on his Xbox and just like, oh, man, I got 32000 more uh, more dollars in the bank now for stupid people. But yeah. people, that's why, you know, right there is why so many people get tricked because they don't know uh, what a credible source is. And also check the URL address. So many people are getting uh, yeah. that and phishing don't get me thing. Wrong. It's, it's not like. They're not always going to be right. Like they're yeah. human; they make mistakes. It's like everybody's going to make like a the mistake. weather. But if you want to know, there are some, what's the difference between the Washington Post and Breitbart? It's a set of standards that they follow. Mm. One's Major League Baseball, and others like you know JV High School. Yeah, basically, yeah, beer league, a beer league. Not even that. They're just beer league. There's a bunch of fat guys uh, <laughs> trying to hit the, hit a ball, but they're just so wasted. But I'll say this. The Times is basically the New York Yankees. The Times are, yes. they have the most championships. But I would argue, I almost want to call the Washington Post the Red Sox yes, here. Yes, I agree. Would you, would you call them the Red Sox yes. or would you actually, because they, the second team that has the most titles is the St. Louis Cardinals. Maybe I'd almost say that the Washington Post is the St. Louis Cardinals. But then again, the, like the Times in the, in the Post, yeah, they compete against each other, but do they really hate each other like the Red Sox and no. Yankees do? So I'd say maybe they're, they're, they're not the Yankees and the Cardinals were in separate consider, kind of league, but they kind of compete. I forgot how Marty Barron said it. 
he said like they're not come he said well first he said like we're just doing our job and then they're just doing theirs and he was talking about the trump administration when they call him fake news yeah. he actually had this interesting quote where he said like the only alternative to there is no alternative to fact the only alternative to a fact is bs that's what he said the whole crowd went crazy yeah <laughs> um he also said like the new york times you know he said they may work in the same industry as us, but they're just doing their job too. Yeah. So it's almost not. It is a competition, but not really because they both side each other. Yeah. Like the New York Times will be like, oh, it's uh, the New York Times. They've done the story on how they found out the DNC computers were hacked. And I was worried about Benny. How the DNC computers were hacked. And in that, they took a picture of the DNC office where it has the server that was hacked yeah, and then the Watergate files that were hacked. Yeah, I should mention that, of course, you know that the New York Times is going to be uh, a big international newspaper yeah. because it's in the biggest city in America. But, I mean, that says something when Washington Post, Washington, D.C. is not that big of a city. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia has more people in it. L.A. has a ton more people in it. Chicago, too. But the Washington Post, their newspaper, because of the Pentagon Papers, because of Watergate and establishing that credibility, is the second biggest newspaper in town, the second biggest news source outside of the New York Times. And that's really uh, because of this movie, just an incredible movie, I have to say. Like I mentioned earlier, at the very end, they show them celebrating the uh, press, you know, them printing out the... uh, Front page of that saying that they won the Supreme Court decision six to three. Of course, the Times and the Post would go on to publish more uh, articles about the Pentagon Papers. But then it finishes with, of course, a um, uh, just a security guy at the Watergate uh, walking in the room and saying, "Hey, I think there's been a calling somebody and saying, hey, uh, calling the cops and saying there's a break in." at the uh, Democratic Party's uh, headquarters at the Watergate. And then that led to the Washington Post's second most famous, um, maybe arguably that's probably even more famous than the Pentagon Papers, them breaking Watergate, the whole surrounding that. You know what's going to beat those two? If Trump either resigns or someone with that administration has to resign, like like Jared Kushner, uh, Trump, or Mike Pence. If anybody in that administration gets indicted, sent to jail, or has to... As long as the Post gets it first, which I say they have a good shot at doing it. I mean, now with Trump being the biggest story in America, that's in their backyard. Yeah. I mean, that really works out great for them because, yeah, the Times, they got a little Washington, D.C. bureau down there. But, I mean, that's home base for the Post. That's why the Post is really hitting homers every night because that's in their own backyard. Uh, you know, the uh, the Times might have the New York Yankees and Wall Street, but uh, the Post has the Capitol and the White House right in their own backyard. But uh, I, I should just mention I love that David Cross was in the movie and also that Bob uh, Odendirk was also in the yeah. movie from uh, Better Oden- Call. He also plays South. a journalist in this TV show on, uh, I forgot what it's called, but he plays a... Uh, it's called The Night of the Gun, and he plays David Carr. David Carr, um, he was actually addicted to coke, um, and then he turned out to be a journalist. Yeah, uh, he and sadly, he passed away yeah. in 2015? Yep. Yeah. Heart attack. 
Yeah, it's sad how many uh, great journalists and uh, we we've lost in the past ten years. Yeah. Of course, uh, they showed a a clip of uh, oh my gosh, Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Doing the report, we lost Walter Cronkite yep. back in I believe it was two thousand nine. Uh, I, I was still doing. Said, I was doing a website back then, yeah. a political blog called PoliticalHead.com. Before, way before I started Next Generation America, I actually shut off my website. I had it go black, like it was all yeah. black, and I had a picture of Walter Cronkite, the the day wow. he was born, the day he died, and it, uh, of course, what he would always say at the end. Uh, oh my gosh, why can I not think of it? And that's the way way it was. And uh, I uh, I had that little tribute up for him uh for about two months or so afterwards like like i said before i got into politicians and politics i've always uh i found journalism really yeah. interested and they go hand i think that's part yeah. i think that's why i like doing the podcast it's kind of yeah. like a weird way of kind of doing that kind of feeling like a journalist without being a journalist yeah. and uh and we got to interview some people. journalists here and there um we we got to talk to Sean Jenkins, Samuel Ronan. Yeah. Um, and we're definitely going to do a lot more. We need to, I, yeah. I'm, I'm messaging people out and we need to actually uh, interview real, like real life journalists. Like that'd be really <sighs> cool to do Pittman. as well. I got to send him. I'm going to tweet <laughs> so, at him like, you want to come on our podcast? What else can you add about the movie before we wrap up? Because we're like an hour and yeah. 12 minutes in. What else um, could you say? I mean, acting was really good. Of course, the movie, I would give it, honestly, I'm almost close to giving it five stars. I mean, I uh, hate to give it. Four some, out of five. Yeah, four, four out of five. five. Yeah, four, four point five out of five stars. Because, you know, I, I hate to say it's like the Citizen Kane of like this generation. Uh, it, it definitely deserved to. I love Meryl Streep in it. I thought it was cool. I liked the whole, you know, uh, power to, you know, women, uh, the whole feminism uh, aspect of it. Uh, like I said, you know, I felt like it was a little bit cleaner than it yeah. probably was in real life because you know those guys were saying fuck because yes. when they had that big tent thing where Kay had to decide like, am I going to let allow this to be published yeah. or not? You know they, they were saying fuck, fuck this, fuck you, you know. So yeah. they kind of kept it a little bit more clean so it was kind of like tidied up a little and, bit. And one thing I do want to add, there were three people in the movies. It was me, Corey, and some girl in her 60s. Um, and that was kind of sad, and that kind of highlights the major problem with this country that we'd rather it, see Star Wars. Not the shit four, on Star Wars. Was it because it was four forty-five? I still like there were people there at the movie theaters, but I felt like there should have been at least like three or four more people there. Yeah, I hope that there was more people because the other movie that was a brand new movie that just came out the post while you know the uh star wars had been out for a while all these other movies had been out for Fucking a while british movie next door man Fucking yeah <laughs> they had like six people in that room yeah it's just crazy it's sad that's the sad thing about journalism is that journalists care about the people and care about democracy but the people sadly don't really care about journalists and that's where we get to the problem and when you have a large i would like to think minority that is going after journalists uh when donald trump ran for president in 2016 uh it was getting pretty hostile they had a uh, few trump supporters like uh, verbally you know scream at on i didn't somebody like throw like a uh a bottle or something there was like journalists were afraid for their safety and their life and that's what happens over in 
wars, not it, what happens that in happens, America. That happens under authoritative regimes. Yeah. You know? And in it America just really scares They don't, like the gap between uh, Democratic and Republican voters, who would be more likely to click on fake news? It's you, Republicans, yeah. yeah. I mean, I see journalists, you want to talk about, like, not all heroes wear capes and stuff, and we see reality TV. I don't, but so many people see athletes and re reality TV stars as heroes. No, I'll tell you what the heroes are. The heroes are volunteers, are firefighters, and are journalists. I see journalists are more heroes than cops because the yes. thing is, the majority of journalists are good. Majority of cops, I'd like to say they're good, but now it's starting. There's so many getting to be a larger amount of bad cops that now there's not as many. There's more bad cops than there are bad journalists. Yeah. Most journalists you meet are just like firefighters. They're decent people. Yeah. Cops, you get in that you get weird gray more, you line. You get paid more as a firefighter, yeah. and people respect you more. Nobody respects journalists no more. Because journalists, that's the thing. Just like with cops, they'll just like with any profession, they will show solidarity, but only when the person is in the right. They, The yeah. cops, that's the thing. Oh, we have to show solidarity, even though the video camera came out and it's total police brutality. That's the thing I like about journalism. That's the thing also that was great. I, I'm happy they showed at the very end of that movie that it was just journalism always need to show, journalists need to show solidarity with one another. And I like it because not too long ago, we saw this happen in real time. Sean Spicer, the former press secretary under Donald Trump, uh, for the first six months of his presidency, guess what? He tried to get a media job. Nobody, not even Fox News, would hire him because he peddled that fake news. Uh, you know, everybody's lying. Donald Trump is correct. And credit to Fox News. I don't give Fox News that much credit, but that that was way to stand up for journalism, Fox News. Because yeah, you've done a lot of bad uh, in the name of journalism, but well, I, I do have to say I do like that they. You, you denied but that's only after so many sexual yeah. harassment things came you out. You know what killed Sean Spicer? He, he wasn't in, even in office for more than 35 yeah. minutes. I mean, he wasn't out. really a true, true bad guy per se. You could probably talk to him and have a good conversation. Why the thing is, he became sizes? a pawn. He became yes. a pawn for evil. For Maybe not evil, maybe is too strong of a word. He became a pawn for darkness for the untruth for lying for he became a mouthpiece for l powerful people in the white house that fed him lies and then he would feed it to the public and you're not supposed to do that uh but sadly that's what white house press, press secretaries, secretaries are do. for yeah. and that's why you have journalists in there john to call carney out did. the bullshit yeah. john carney he, he was he was a press secretary, too. Now and he, he was full of shit also yeah. for Obama. I mean, let's be honest, they're all full of shit. The only Carl thing Rove. is, Shitty. yeah, all, yeah. Well, Carl Rove was never a press secretary, but he really? was just, well, he was the chief of staff for George W. Bush. Yeah. He, that guy was his own piece of shit in his own right. Don't, don't I'm not going to say he's not a I piece of shit. Uh, he ran uh, George W. Bush's uh, campaign. Okay. Uh, he did a lot of that stuff. He was partly behind why John McCain didn't win in 2000, why Bush won, because he did robocalls in West Virginia that said, how would you feel if uh, John McCain had an illegitimate black child? 
And you know how racism plays in West Virginia. Surprise, surprise, George W. Bush ended up winning that state by a huge margin after those robocalls robo came out. Oh, That's Republican on Republican hate crime yeah. over using hate uh, to get what they want. So, uh, you know, and then we act surprised about George or about Donald Trump. Let's not, real quick, let's not whitewash the legacy that was George W. Bush. George W. Bush won that primary using racist attacks against John really? McCain. So we can't be surprised that Donald Trump did the same thing when George W. I like how George W. Bush like, oh, wow, this Donald Trump guy, he's a real piece of shit. Don't, let's not get tricked here. George W. Bush was a how piece many, of shit in his own right. How many civilians died in the Iraq War? Yeah. The American troops I, and that's the, the one thing war. I'll defend about Donald Trump. Donald Trump has not got... Uh, well, he's gotten a few people killed. That whole botched uh, bombing over there, I can't think of, in Yemen. Uh, yeah, that was a complete botched thing. That guy should have never died. Uh, and for him to, like, go up there and, you know, uh, the widow, uh, talking about the widow, it's like, well, your dumbass basically got her husband killed. She wouldn't be a widow, but that, you know, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. But I, I, I will say that George or uh, Donald Trump has not lied us into a war yet, so... Credit there. The bar is very low. Uh, credit to Bush. We shouldn't give credit to presidents just because they don't lie us into a war. But let's be honest here. George W. Bush, uh, first president since, Obama you could argue, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson, the Gulf of Tonka. There's a lot of questions there that Johnson used that uh, pretty much a staged event to get us into Vietnam. Because there's, if you read it, the government said that they were shooting at the ship. You read the account saying that there was not, there was possibly no, no, no uh, gunshots even fired that night. Uh, so there was a lot of questionable getting into Vietnam, and also highly questionable about George W. Bush getting yeah. into the Iraq War. Obama. Colin Powell lying. Yeah. Susan, uh, uh, what's not Condoleezza Susan, Rice? Condoleezza Rice. Thank you, not Susan Rice. Um, Obama almost got us into a tricky war in Syria. Because I yeah. remember uh, when he wanted to strike the Assad regime because they had chemical weapons. But mm -hmm. I think what did him was that the uh, British Parliament voted against striking Syria. Yeah. So that really and, you know, you, you got Libya also. There was questionable about that. But yeah. all I, I will give a little bit credit because he could have put boots on the ground in Libya. And that would have just been disastrous. Because if we would have put boots on yeah. the ground, when was that? That was 2012 when that out, the Arab Spring yeah. happened. Uh, if, if he would have put boots on the ground, we would probably still be fighting yeah, in Syria, right now, in Libya right now, and in Syria as well. Right, right now is probably one of the most peaceful times in world history uh, when it comes to uh, conflict because mm -hmm. there are more democracies than ever before. And being part, I don't care what, what fucking Trump tells you, being part, having that trade deals with multiple countries, yeah, being involved in the United Nations and NATO and having multiple democracies does prevent democracies from fighting each other. Yeah. So and we're not going to vote and go to war with Germany because Germany won't back Russia, you know? Yeah. And we'll vote, like in 2006, we'll vote people out, of, we'll vote a party out of power just because, you know, just over, you know, a uh, unjustified war. And I agree with you there for the most part. I will argue, though, that we could actually live in a more peaceful society had we not gone into Iraq 
And yes. Saddam Hussein was still leader of Iraq. Uh, Saddam Hussein's a complete asshole. I'm not going to argue yeah. against that. But Saddam was able to keep the power structure going. It was a bad power structure, but the thing is, ISIS would have never popped up in Iraq because yeah. Saddam was good at controlling uh, Iraq. And I believe because of the vacuum of power that happened in Iraq, Iran went to the far right and they went to the fringe. They hate us more because of the Iraq war and they saw the, uh, us be us as a threat because they were like, oh my yeah. God, Afghanistan, so Iraq, and now yeah. they're going to come for they us have next. a Shiite prime minister and a, what is a Sunni majority population. Yeah. And, and know, you got to remember. A Sunni, it's a Sunni prime. Hold on. We no. had a major U.S. political party politician run for president in 2008, John McCain. And, you know, yeah. John McCain right now, he's in bad health and not to really attack him, but we can't let this go. You know, we're, we highlight all the good things he's done. But let's not make light of John McCain one time joking and singing a, a Beach Boy song bomb, 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 Iran. Yeah. Uh, that was really dumb of John McCain to say that. And then you have Trump saying, well, you had George W. Bush including Iran and the axis of evil, and you had damn uh, Donald Trump talking bad about Iran, and then we wonder why Iran is electing these crazy anti-American politicians because they feel threatened. A and a lot of, of the millennials like us yes, still. Yes, they want a closer relationship with them. Yeah. But Honestly, Even though we've completely shit on their country yes. and on them. Yes. and if We've you, called on if terrorists. You, if, if there's one thing that gas prices are really high, even though it's 17 fucking degrees outside and gas is above $2 a gallon. Yeah. In the past two fucking years here in Ohio, it's been low $2 a gallon. It's because now those sanctions in Iran no longer apply to them. So they don't, they don't get to produce gas for us. We get – this is why I like – I hate to sound like a capitalist, Corey. This is why I like <laughs> international trade deals. This is why I like. This is why I like it when we trade with more nations. With oh, well, I like that too. Yeah. Um, no, I don't like the idea of uh, of you know other poor workers working at a lower wage and stealing our jobs. Um, but the idea is is that gas it was cheaper because Iran was able to enter the market with Russia, Saudi Arabia, uh, Bahrain. You know, United Arab Emirates. With those countries involved, you throw Iran in there. Iran's a rich oil-producing country. Yeah. They make money because we buy their gas, you know. And we save money because that gas is cheaper because there's more goods in the population to buy from. I'm sorry. I hate to say this to people. Trade is really good. Trade is a good thing for the world. You know, if it wasn't for trade, you know... We, that recession in 2008 would have been a whole lot worse than it was. I know it's hard for people to believe that, but trade is a good thing. Buying goods from different countries is a good thing. Um, I know the... It's not like Iran is a lot different than Saudi Arabia. They're just on two different sides of the... The only reason why we don't like Saudi Arabia, and ironically it's for this one reason, is because the relationship with Russia. Mm -hmm. They... They we supported a an authoritative regime in, in Iran. He got overthrown and then that guy who got overthrown had close relations with the Soviet Union. Because of that, we backed our biggest rival, Saudi Arabia. And that's all it is. Yeah. It, it's just the Cold War. I always find it funny that we 
hate Iran, but Iran more than Saudi Arabia. Arabia but all, almost all those hijackers came from Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Osama bin Laden. Everybody assumes that he's from Pakistan he's or Afghanistan. In, no, he was born in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And people thought that Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden were like BFF, like Facebook friends. No. They hated each other because you got to remember. Saddam was basically a this Shia. elitist. He was this yeah. uh, dictator, and Osama bin Laden was a rebel, to yeah. lack of better words. Saddam hated o o o Osama because Osama was basically uh, everything that Saddam... He hated everything that Saddam was. They were to total yeah. polar opposite people, but for middle America, so many people in middle America, uh, basic Trump voters... They just see like, well, they're both Muslim. It's like, no, it cuts way deeper yeah. than that. And it's more deeper than just like people will bring up the the Sunni Shia divide. It's more than that. Don't you forget can, the Kurds also. The Kurds, yes, yeah. Because people act like Russia supports like they don't support Bashar al-Assad because he's a Shiite and they believe that the Senate should go to the brother's cousin or whatever. Mm -hmm. They support Assad because. Mainly, there's they have a they have like a water port, and they're just right next to each other. Really, like a boat ride up, and then you go to uh, Russia. Um, so yeah, it's just the Middle East is like really conflicting. It's yeah the the thing that really why I rank Bush George W. Bush as a worse president than Donald Trump internationally because yeah Donald Trump says a lot of stupid stuff, but what Bush did going into Iraq. Yeah. Had everlasting damage because he didn't just write it on Twitter. He actually went out and acted on it. Yeah. It was just that these people thought that they could just topple Saddam Hussein, okay? Yep. And th that's the thing. That's where journal journalism, I believe, is saving us from Trump mistakes. But they did not save us from George W. Bush's Judy Miller fuck of up. the New York Times. I won't keep bringing her up. She didn't do her job. There was a yeah. source within the White House. John Stewart called her out. Source within the White House that said that there might not be weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. I don't have confidence that they're in there. She didn't confront that source. And I wonder why is that? Because you were battling a, at the time, you got to remember, Bush was a popular president back then, had a 90% yes. approval rating after those planes went into that building yes. in downtown Manhattan. So, uh, you uh, now it's easy to attack Donald Trump because Donald Trump was just so it's just hated now. So there's really nobody's questioning your patriotism to hate Trump, but it was hard to hate Bush and the aftermath of 9/11. But I can't believe that journalists couldn't drive home the fact that Iraq is just. You go in there and think that everybody's going to agree on a democracy. Yeah. It's divided into three distinct area because for so many Americans, not all Americans, yeah. but for basic average Betty and Joe, yeah. okay, they just think, well, they're all Muslims over there. Let's just go and get their gas. You got to remember, they're not just Muslims. Yeah. They're Sunni, Sunni Shiite, yeah. and Kurds, Kurds and stuff, and they don't like each other. They yeah. do not totally get along, and they're divided. They it's like Iraq is three different states, basically. And in Yemen, it's different. In Yemen, it's really real. It's some Shias and Sunnis pray in the same mosque. Yeah. But the difference really comes with not necessarily religious views. It's actually how to govern politically. Yeah. 
So they have different governing views. Like Sunnis, they don't believe in smoking. Shias, they think it's okay. And to I think smoke. Kurds are the minority of yes. the three. They're like only like twenty yeah. percent, where the other two almost yeah, make so about they occupy, equal half. They're part. They cover some parts of Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. And you have to worry about the Kurds, but just like the Bush administration went in there and they didn't think about the Sunni, the Shiite, and the Kurds. And they just the were like, they're all Iraqi. That's, that's like, the no. problem with, with, uh, with Syria. That's like Russia coming in and invading us and think that, oh, we, California, we can do the same for California as we do for Alabama. Yeah. No, no, you cannot do that. You can't lump all Americans at the same because look at it. Politically, economically, uh, religiously, there are just so many factors here. And when people just say, let's just go in and have a war... You got to remember, when we have a damn election here, we have to prep. People are just completely different, but people just think, well, you know, let God sort on out. I hate that stupid quote. That's the dumbest thing ever. Like, well, let me just, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, let God sort it out. That's just the dumbest thinking you can do going into that. And that's, that's why I, I, I love, you know, journalism. Yeah. I wish there would have been good journalism back right. before, before we got before into Before we wrap war. up, what's yeah. your favorite quote in that movie? My favorite quote in that movie was, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because I actually wrote it down here. It was uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Cassie, her name was Katie, 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 my bad. I knew I was saying that wrong. Uh, She quoted, she said, news is the first draft of history, the first rough draft of history. And I really like that because, yeah, it is because you got to remember when anybody goes back to research any historical book, what are you reading? You're reading old newspaper articles to build a novel about uh richard nixon or about donald trump it's like who knows one day maybe somebody will listen to these podcasts and be in the library of congress Congress, one day and i should mention real quick running for congress my website coreyfoister.com will always be in the library of congress or screenshots of my website so that's my weird like claim to fame outside yes. of running for Congress. I'll always be in the Library of Congress. And uh, I think the Library of Congress should save, uh, I know I'm kind of going off topic here, but they should say, but kind of not, uh, should save every book, every newspaper article, anything historical. I think they should save like um, uh, TV, not really like keeping up with Kardashian, but like news clips. And they, they somewhat do, but like podcasts, because that's just, just imagine you have to go back now if you want to know a hundred years ago you had to just look at newspapers okay just imagine people long after we're dead 200 years from now With they're going VR to have headset. they're going to have YouTube they're going to have podcasts they're going to have so much stuff they can be doing research while listening to a bunch of dead people talk about the the post <laughs> that they just saw today and 2018 I mean that's mind-blowing to think that uh, college libraries I really hope there is a movement if not i'm i want to get involved in it to preserve podcasts because i feel like it's really interesting to uh every day there's podcasts and that's what i do uh, uh, document the trump administration day by day i would have loved back in the 60s to have like richard nixon somebody to come in from ohio or like illinois and be like yeah this is the nixon administration today let me talk about it it's just it's really cool and I, i hope eventually it'd be cool to play a part in that to have like be like yeah this podcast next generation america like documented like 2018 2017 of the trump administration my favorite quote in the movie is when the lawyer suggested 
to Ben Bradley, the executive editor. He suggested that they give, they wait until the ruling and they call the attorney general and tell him that they have the papers and that they'll, they want their side of the story. And they're like, oh, so we're not going to publish the papers? And the guy said, that's the dumbest idea outside of the Hindenburg. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was good also. And what Meryl Streep, what her uh, character said right after that was said, where she said, uh, what is it, the paper is dedicated to reporting and we work for the people, not for the board, yeah, or something we like I'm. We work for... I'm butchering the quote. I, yeah, I think she said we work for the... Uh, we, we or our job the, is to report, not on, to... Yes. She said something like, we report for the people that are governing not to be friends with the government, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You're beholden to the governed over the government or something yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. I really I like that quote as well. I know we're both butchering it, but yes. uh I would definitely anybody listening, I would recommend that movie uh wholeheartedly. I really enjoyed it. Great acting. Uh flowed really well. The the camera shots, well it was directed by Steven Spielberg, so there was no problem yes. there. There wasn't a boring part of the movie. It was really one last paced. shout out. One last shout out. Um we would like to cordially invite two guests on our <laughs> podcast. Um it seems like uh there is a little back and forth going in the progressive online community. I would love to have these two people come on. Please come on our podcast. Now, who are they? They are Noah Dottie, who has been here before. Indeed. Um, and uh, Rebecca Bolser. So if we could possibly get you two in a on a debate stage maybe or not, or just have a panel discussion, that would be great. You know, um me and now, Corey, do you want to tell our listeners what the kind of little spat might be about? Uh, okay, so Bill o, Bill O'Neill, um I want to paraphrase his uh, Ohio Supreme Court justice said, "I'm going to save everybody running as Demo- running as, as a Democrat a- on the governor <laughs> side." Yes, said, uh, "I'm going to save you guys the research. I slept with over 50, 50 women, fifty women, blah blah." He said blah. they're all beautiful women, so he objectified women right there. Yes, it was a really and, then, dumb and, then, and then he described like where they work for and everything. We're not going to do that here because. He outed, like, two women. Yes. Like, it was crazy. I'm, we're not going to do that here at Next Generation America. <laughs> we are just not going to out them. We're going to give them their privacy. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, Noah says, okay, but let's not forget about school funding. His argument, I believe, unless he wants to come here and clear it up with uh, Rebecca Bolser. Well, glad to have you two that on. school funding is more important than sexual harassment, trying to... yeah. Revamp it to make the world a better place for women. But what really got her was when he argued, why do women stay in an abusive relationship? If you up the minimum wage to $15 an hour, you would make it more practical for women to leave abusive relationships. What I got from Miss Miss Bolster's argument, now, correct me if I'm wrong, come in here, um, but uh, it really should not be in the argument in the first place. that okay, that you know, not having a good job leads to domestic violence. It's more like her arguments, like we can have both. You know, I don't want to. She doesn't want to support a candidate who 
There's know. wealthy people that are in yeah abusive relationship, yeah. like physically abusive relationships. Also, so instead of like not just raising the minimum wage, but like how about just not abusing women? Like yeah. that's the whole seeing argument. women as more than just sex objects also yeah. goes a long way. And and that's really hard for men to do in this culture. Um, it's really hard. And respecting women that have strong opinions. Yeah. You know, because we're kind of talking. I think that went against why it hurt Hillary Clinton because some guys were just like, I can't take a woman with strong opinions. Donald Trump has bad opinions, but yeah. I can't take a talking, woman with they strong kept, the opinions. They kept talking about her as like superficial, untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like thinking, like, she, how is she untrustworthy? Not you, only that, but they were referring to her as Bill Clinton's wife. And it just yeah. like, that's the. That's a knock she that so a, many women get because yeah. it's like my husband doesn't own me. Yeah. Because you never say to a guy, "Oh, you're uh, you're the and, husband of of yeah. Sam." You know, it's like that. You know, only women have that where it's yeah. like, "Oh, who's your husband?" It's never a husband. A guy that never gets asks me like, "Who's because, your wife?" Because people will probably ask me and you around. They'd be like, "Do you have a Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a wife? Do you have a wife and kids? Do you have a girlfriend?" But you know what? It's weird because this society, oh my God, we're hitting like 130 a bit. This society cares more about women. When Try they, 139. <laughs> this society cares more about women th- when they are potential mothers, uh, mothers and wives than they are college students, graduate lawyers, nurses, journalists, uh, tech workers. Um, yes, that's what we value. I'm just going to call it out and tell it what it is. Again, I will say this again. Most Americans only value women when they are seen as either a wife or a mother. Nobody or a gives, sex object. Or a sex object. Nobody gives praise to a woman if she is single and she's going to school on her own. And, you know, she or has a single career. mother, let's be honest. Yeah. Only if you are a wedlock mother. Yeah. There's a lot of people, even women, yeah. will shit talk other single mothers like, out like, there like it's a sad thing and what's worse than a man not condemning uh domestic violence it's when women go out there and they they perpetuate it by saying things like uh like why don't you know your role or stay in your lane i know some people don't think stay in your lane is a sexist comment but it's when women say things like keep your girl in check what that implies is that a woman is not does not have the temperament or even the ability to keep herself tempera- temperamentally insane. Mm-hmm. Now let, let's let's be honest here. Men are the most temperamental default human beings on earth. Like we we have so many problems, Corey. Like we can't keep our hands off women. Like you, Aziz Ansari ran his dick his hand. His a girl's hand over his dick seven times. She did not want to go for it. She did not want nothing to do with him. If it takes you, if someone, if, my God, if See, a girl, I'm a guy, but I can't relate to that because I don't do that because I feel like you no. can get a vibe from a woman. You know, I don't that do that. Can, That's weird to yeah. me. That'd be weird if I'm like grabbing a girl, like even like. Okay, I'll I'll tell a story. I was working at a job one time. This girl would constantly try and grab my penis. 
And I'm like, she tried to grab it one day and I got really angry. Just because I'm a guy and I like sex doesn't mean I like my piece randomly grabbed at work. No, it's not yeah. cool. I'm like, I'm here to work, you know? Yeah, that's sexual harassment, you know? And the it thing happens is, on both sides. That, that yeah. behavior, though, that behavior has more to do with someone who has nothing going for them. You know, this, this, you know, they don't have any aspirations outside of, you know, finding a woman for the night or, or having a wife. It all comes down to aspirations. When we look at a woman who has who has career aspirations, we don't give them enough praise. I mean, look, look at it. How many how many times do we praise? Uh, what do we expect out of a woman? No, we expect them to have a husband and wife, which is so fucking ass backwards. We don't expect them to be anything. We don't ex- we don't like we're not like happy when women go to college. I'll just point that out there. Like your sister, she got a college letter acceptance in the mail. But people will be more excited for a woman who has a kid and a husband. That would, that yeah. would, you know, my, my that, grandfather. That's one more of them. appealing. That's more appealing to the general public. You go yeah. to Walmart and you see a woman pushing a kid in a shopping cart. That is more appealing than a girl who's out there by herself with a book bag on, going to a college class, or she's she's strapping her boots on, going to work, or she's at the office. You know, I always tell everybody, you I know, just, that I talk I to, that's a single mom, that I always say that's the hardest job, yep. because, and it's the thankless job and, also. And it's and it's harder to be a single mother than a single dad, because I tell you what, I never heard anybody said to a single man or a, a couple with kids saying like, hey, you need to keep your, you need to keep your dick inside. Yeah. You need to tuck your dick away. Keep your yeah. dirty dick You're off. Not, of. Yeah, no, no single dads are ever going to be uh, slut chained. Yep, but but so. legs open. Got to keep your legs closed. So like it it in most Americans' eyes, it doesn't take two to make one. It takes only one, and that one we have, we don't expect to go to college or anything. And that's 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 the biggest issue of this generation. I'm telling you, is how we view women, how we think about women. And it's going to be hard. It's going to take a culture change. Like that's why going to college is important. You sit there in a in in a class and you read uh, women's literature. You know, you get exposed to different subjects and it changes your viewpoint. Because I hate to say, it, if you grew up in Butler County, Ohio, and all you look forward to is being a mother or a wife, it's not much to look forward to. I am sorry, there is more out there for women than being a mother or a wife. There is so much more out there. That's all I gotta say, Corey. I just had to get that off my chest. No, I I totally agree with you. The, the one thing I will add is that Bill lost me. I would never vote for him because he somehow thought that I, talking I about vote, sexual have, harassment yeah, I'd have to had vote to do for with John his Houston. sex life. Barring, barring any sexual re- revelations about John Houston or Mike DeWine. Well, John Houston is joining with Mike DeWine. They're running on a ticket yeah. now. Houston's yeah. going to be lieutenant governor if they win. Yeah. Hopefully they so, don't, but, you know. So if, if it's, I might just stay home, but it's between Mike DeWine and that Bill guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to pencil in Mike DeWine just to send a message to Democrats. But I don't think Democrats will let that happen this no, time. No, I don't think I'm Bill is... I don't think Bill is going to win, but I just think it's crazy to out women he had sex with and also say, oh, sexual harassment. That obviously, you know, time for me to talk about my sex history. So that's just weird. Uh, Clint, where can they follow you at if you want to? Uh, yeah, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at CombsCM2. That's C-O-M-B-S-C-M, the number two. Um, 
leave a review. Um, yes, um, we are going to talk more feminist subjects in the future. So, because uh, feminist is an American ideal. So, yep. I like that. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Corey Foister. That's C-O-R-E-Y-F-O-I-S-T-E-R. This show is going up on YouTube, Next Generation America, and The Gamer Journal. But uh, for Clint Combs, this is Corey Foister. And this was our first ever movie review of The Post. And hopefully here soon we'll do more movie reviews. Maybe uh, All the President's Men because uh, it's, it's an interesting movie.